Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. We are back with a recap of one of the most exciting and thrilling races we have seen in a while in the women's relay. Russia coming away with the win, Germany coming in with an epic silver medal, and Jonas Sundling of Sweden delivering a bronze, just beating out the rest of the pack. We'll be back in a minute right after this message. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport the industry-leading resource for cross-country skiing equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-selected skis. If you're looking to tour at a local park, finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sports' passionate staff can help you get the perfect gear for your cross-country skiing experience. Visit boldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country and download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine. Check out the Boulder Nordic YouTube channel for extensive waxing how-tos. Ski inventory is challenging this season, but Boulder Nordic Sport is receiving new gear every week, including the new floor-free race waxes from Holman Cole and Rody. Check out your options at boldernordic.com. Holy Lord, I'm still shaking. Like, this had all the storylines you wanted in a relay. It was insanely exciting. Some surprises too, honestly. And, and just like, this is everything you want in a championship relay. And this is what makes championship relays really stand out. And especially, you know, the, the magic that is a championship relay. I wish the World Cup could tap into that, but they just can't. Like the World Cup relays are a snooze fest, even when exciting things happen, like in Lillehammer. But it's just, there's something special about relay day. And today, the first distance relay, the first relays of these Olympics delivered in spades. It was crazy. I don't want to like lord it over the listeners, but I also want listeners to just know that how much of a privilege like it is to be here to just watch a race like that. Like the energy, um, the suspense, like it just, it is, it is an awesome time. It's like races like that are why you come to the Olympics. Like it's fun to heckle Bolshunov about doping. And you know what? I I shouldn't even say that because people, that's not what I'm doing. I'm a professional doing a job, but like, I don't know. I mean, all the other stuff is like, that is like what we saw today was just like, that was sport at its best. And, uh, you know, so much to talk about and where do, where do we even start? Yeah. Where to start? I mean, the story, well, there's so many great storylines in this one, but Russia gets her done. And I mean, like I, I was joking with Kristen today when we were out skiing with the kiddos, like Elena Velbe must just be like, I hope that their team doctors, have have statins and a whole bunch of other heart medication, heart starter on hand because Elena Velbe, the boss of the Russian Ski Federation, must just be like all and stress. The women win the relay. It has been over twenty years since the Russians have won a relay, the women's relay. And the last time Russia dominated the dojo, like they dominated in the relay, they didn't really dominate in the relay today. But the last time they won, it was uh, it was crazy. Is that her? No. Is that Elena Velbe? It's hard to know. I can't. It's too. It's too hard to see. No, it's not. But it looked like her. <laughs> I don't know who we're following. That you gotta. You gotta unmute yourself. It looked like her though from afar. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I was muted. It is a. It is a robot that is rolling around. The, no, the that's a robot we just saw. With it's a. It's a robot that's rolling around the hotel where I'm oh, sitting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and just spraying chemicals. <laughs> so weird chemicals. So, oh man, your poor God knows what I'm breathing right now. Um, yeah, God knows anyway. what you're breathing. 
Sorry. No, I thought for a second there when you were when we were falling around, I missed the robot. It looked like we could have had like there was someone that looked a lot like Elena Velbe in form uh, walking around, but there's so much PPE, it's impossible to see who it is. But what I was saying is this is just such a huge day for the Russian women's team. And after delivering an insanely exciting women's relay in Lillehammer, the only World Cup relay before this puppy launched, uh, you know, you just had high hopes for the Russian team and they delivered on all accounts. I mean, in every leg, people were skiing fantastic. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, Stupak uh, just kicking it, kicking it off right from the gun, although I would say that, you know, she delivered a tiny bit of suspense in letting Germany close the gap down at the very end. And then, you know, I mean, I'm, everything's a little bit of a blur for me, but then, you know, certainly that, that last lap from Stepanova, like 21 years old, you know, just like she's kind of a star on social media and maybe in other media and just like, you know, I feel like she raced that last lap, like a, like a total pro, you know, didn't go out and just smash to, to try to catch up to Germany and blow herself up, but like skied, an even race, skied her own pace and just, and just skied away. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I, we were texting a little bit about this and uh, like, if you're not following Stepanova on social media, like again, 21 years old, just like total character, you know, she's like out there the other day, like calling out the New York times for objectification of women in English. And just like, I, I, I love it. And, you know, I mean, whatever you think about the Russian team, can still appreciate sort of a personality and a performance like that and it, it just makes it fun and just yeah i mean i don't know the russians were were stoked i think they they were really you know this was a really important race for them and really setting up for it and um just you know skied skied lights out today for sure yeah exactly and i think what you said is just so it's so true like the, the, the camera was panning on nepreva in the finishing straight so at the end of the relay the relay had been done for minutes Nepreva is on her hands and knees, like bawling her eyes out. Nepreva is most likely going to win the overall World Cup this year. She won the Tour de Ski. She was second with a fantastic skiathlon earlier this championship. And she's on her hands and knees bawling. This is how much it means for those women. The other story we got to follow, and I want to take it leg by leg, because Germany delivered one for the ages. And the fact that Krell held off a hard-charging Parmakowski and Sunling in the closing kilometer of that relay was, was legendary. But here's where that race became legendary right from the first word go. And the word that comes into my mind is discipline. These athletes are young. They don't have a lot of experience. They were so disciplined out there. Starting with Sauerbre. Sauerbre. I'm probably saying her name wrong. But but. Uh, she she's 24 years old she lets stupak go stupak gets a lead of over 10 seconds and then the young german who is 11th in the individual classic race so she had a great classic race honestly for her bides her time super disciplined with the altitude skis back onto the tails of stupak goes to the exchange right with her and then henning same thing henning is a champ i mean she has world cup medals she's a fantastic classic skier she was top five in the classic race like she's she's the real deal she was she's the one she's not a superstar but she's the she's the leader of the german women's team no question but she was skiing beautifully and that's not surprising she's she's got great technique but disciplined again letting neprieva set the pace letting neprieva take the early work and then just slowly gapping neprieva a little bit which is impressive when you look at how great neprieva has been this whole season comes into the exchange victoria carl who 
back when she was a junior, I mean, she's a world junior champion. She was like a, you know, this is the story of Germany, which is so frustrating for international ski fans. Germany every year has like world junior medalists every year and these big, big stars and they transition to senior and nothing happens. And Victoria Carl, sorry, has been one of these, one of these names as well. World junior super champ gets to the world cup, has some quick top 10. So everyone's like, okay, Carl's the real deal. And then just has kind of treaded water a little bit, but again, super disciplined. Sorna, who is a great skater, great at altitude, dancing up the climbs, distancing Victoria Carl on these big, big climbs. She, Victoria Carl's letting her go like five, six, seven seconds on these climbs. And you're like, this is not going to happen. But she raced like a Petter Nortug or Johannes Klebo, where she obviously was backing off on the climbs, knowing I can't follow that pace. I can't follow that rhythm. Give a little push way harder than Sorina on the downhills. Close that gap on the lighter terrain. And then able to distance Sorina by a couple seconds. Nothing. They essentially come into the exchange together. But again, in the final two, that Krell, I think the only German athlete that didn't discipline herself perfectly had almost an impossible uh an impossible mission but regardless Krell went out there full of guts and just gave her and it held on right to the bitter end she had just enough to hold on for a silver medal and honestly it was touch and go there whether the germans were going to get a medal after such a beautiful perform performance but those, all those women's hats off to germany and the discipline i i can't i can't stress it enough how well, important well, it is there's there's some good stuff to share there so um you know after the race the you know the good thing it, it, it can often be a huge pain to try to track down some of these international coaches and athletes because you know they they stand in this area called the mix zone which is where the athletes and coaches come through after the race and they get you know if you win a medal or even if you don't win a medal they get like hours and hours and hours not hours but a lot of questions from their own press in their own language and if you're like just a random american dude who is who sadly you know never learned foreign language you're just kind of like chopped liver hanging out but on the plus side, when someone wins a medal that they weren't expecting, they're pretty excited to talk to you. So Peter Schlickenreiter, who's the head coach of the German team, former former cross-country skier Olympic medalist himself, uh, kind of just stood there and took questions for quite some time. And he, he shared some really interesting stuff. So Devin, I know you watched this uh, Nordic combined race the other day where Germany had an absolute utter meltdown at the end of the race. And, and Schlickenreiter was saying, you know, they watched that. They saw that happen and their main plan coming into this race today was do not do anything on your skis that you can't sustain ski your own race do not blow yourself up and and that was their plan and they you know they executed that and i and i think you know that it, it was obviously the right choice on a course that's this hard at altitude where we've seen athletes kind of go into the red zone and really bury themselves so i i just thought that was like a really interesting piece of information that you shared yeah and i think it's an awesome piece of information and it's great i mean nordic combined for for the fans of this show that probably don't follow the sport it's a huge deal in germany and they have such a rich history of of winning at the olympics and the world championships going back decades and the the, the guy that you said that blew up was right i i can't pronounce his name properly but he is a super champ with oodles of gold medals at the championship and he was standing still with 800 meters to go and we were texting back and forth during the race and seeing Sundling and Parmakowski just charging I'm like what happened in order combined is going to happen again like Krell is she looks like she's got this in the bag and she does not and in the end 
okay, did she have it in the bag? Did she not? But she had 2.6 seconds or 2.5 seconds, and that's all you needed. And she glided in across the line, and what a performance. And I think this is what I love about relays in general, okay? Like the Russian team, you have three out of the four women, Stupak, Nepryeva, Sordana, they're all over the top 10 all the time. Stepanova won World Juniors last year. She's a first-year senior. Like you said, she's outspoken. She, we knew she how she's smart. She races super tactically smart. We saw that in Lillehammer. She had a great sprint. She's not a, she's not a sprinter by any stretch of the imagination. She put together a great sprint uh, to make it to the semifinals in uh, earlier this championship. So, okay. Uh, it's a strong team. Sweden, you have Dahlquist, Ebba Anderson, Frida Carlson, Sundling. These are the biggest names in cross-country skiing. Uh, it's a dream team. And so it's not surprising to see them up there, although we're going we're gonna to wind back to that because Frida Carlson's Olympics are the thing of nightmares. Uh, Finland in fourth, you know, Killinen. Yeah, she struggled the last few years. She's had a great Olympics. Matintalo, awesome classic skier. Niskanen Parmakowski, I mean, they're the darlings of these Olympics as well. Look at what they just did a couple days ago in the 10K Classic. And then Norway is Norway. They have a very thin team this year, and there was a lot of question marks. And of course, we'll, we'll get back to that. But even the US, who had a very disappointing day, incredibly disappointing, they ended up sixth, which is nowhere near where they, they wanted to be. It's also nowhere near they could have been, they could have been the Germany in this relay had they had four women all delivering at the level that they, that they could have. That did not happen for the U.S. and they were distanced in six. But there was just so many great teams. And I, I just think it's crazy. Out of the six nations I just talked to you about, I think it's bananas that it's Germany that comes away with a silver medal. It, it was just such a phenomenal performance. And, and, you know, I mean, there was a lot of talk today just about sort of Germany being this like, you know, I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast. I mean, they're huge market for the sport, uh, TV eyeballs sort of drive a lot of the, the kind of commercial side. And they've just been kind of in the doldrums for the past three years. They had a terrible world championships at Oberstorf last year. That was sort of like a national tragedy. And so, I mean, this was huge, uh, you know, a couple of other things that, that really, I think are worth sharing. Like Schlickenreader said, they'd like done some just like crazy sort of team building exercises, like just done some weird stuff. Like they had a they had a, a race where they made the athletes wax the service team skis so that the athletes would know what the service crew was doing. He also talked a lot about how like they actually are inspired by the U.S. team and how like, uh, the, you know, they tried to hire Matt Whitcomb, like all, all this kind of crazy stuff. And, you know, we also know, I think that like Jesse was overtraining in Europe with some of those guys earlier this year. So some, some interesting links there, but I think just generally speaking, like it's, it's just really encouraging and nice to see Germany, you know, have a result like this. I mean, I don't think they were expecting it. Schlickenreader said he was watching that last, like totally expecting to see the same thing that happened to Ridzek in that Nordic combined, like total collapse. And um, I think everyone in the stadium was just like totally holding their breath for, for that last, um, for that last kilometer. So um, I, I also wanted to just make a, a, a quick, I mean, probably more to say as, as, as you indicated about Sweden, I mean, who thought that, that Sweden, that, that Frida Carlson would win her only medal of the games on the shoulders of Jonas Sundling and Maya Dahlqvist, right? Like you would have expected that to go the other way. No, for sure. And, and with Sweden, they have to be almost, well, it's kind of, that's the funny thing with the bronze medal at a championship. 
it's hard to be disappointed with bronze when you see how that played out. They were a sneeze from losing the bronze medal and getting the wooden medal like Finland. So I'm sure all those women are really, really happy that they came, that they came third. But, but Dahlquist skied a great leg. Of course she did. But Ebba Anderson also skied a fantastic leg. She looked great. She was disciplined. She managed her energy well. Her technique was good. She finally looked like Ebba of old. She put together a great, great race. That said, she was sixth in the 10K Classic as well. So it's not like that was a crisis day. But today, she really was on form. Frida Carlson goes out in that first lap. And I, I was like, okay, she's back. She looked so smooth. She wasn't rushing. Super high hip position. And Frida can be a little bit like uncoordinated at times. And she wasn't in that first lap. She looked really good, like hitting her angles well, gliding well. And then the wheels came off and they didn't just come off. They came off completely. The train's off the tracks. It's in the rhubarb. And now it's like sliding down the ravine towards the river below. And any Swedish fan is looking at that going like, first of all, is this really happening? It's only 5K. Frida just looked so good three minutes ago. How did this all go south so quickly? And then in the exchange, she was bleeding time. She was bleeding time like crazy. And I could not believe it was 19 seconds down when they handed off to Sundling. And I'm like, I think this is could be over. I mean, Sundling, this is for fans that have just been following the World Cup, but not the dorky fans like me that follow like some scan cups and, and have some more background information. But Sundling actually has improved her distance skiing quite substantially. And 5K skate or 5K classic for that matter, it... it these girls are good distance skiers as well, especially in the in the 5K range. But Sunling erased that deficit in no time at all. And I was like, oh my God, Sunling is on such good form right now to erase that deficit like it's nothing. And I was looking for signs of weakness. I'm like, okay, Sunling, Sunling burned the candle too hot too early. She's going to come undone. But her face was deadpan. Her angles were great. She was skiing like a total champ. I'm like, now we got a race. We got a race for sure because you have Sunling that just is on fire. But then Parmakowski, who, I mean, Parmakowski is back from two and a half years of just an, like anonymity and skiing so well and really was the odds on favorite to, to ski away from Sunling if she could, but not, not, a, not an Olympic champion Sunling, not right now. And coming down into the finishing stretch, when you realize that they were going to climb the hill, that last hill of 500 meters to go, when you have Parmakowski and Sundling together, you know it's over. It's over. You, 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 you got to just know what Parmakowski is thinking. It's like, you know, you, you have these hills to try to lose Sundling, and it's like you're coming into the stadium. I, I just would – like that's got to be such a sinking feeling to ski to the stadium with – you know, Sundling, knowing what kind of shape she's in, et cetera, et cetera. But, and, but still, I mean, it was dramatic. Like, you, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen until the very end. And I, Sundling did not, like, totally ski away with that either. I mean, it was close all, all the way to the line. So um, just like an awesome, awesome, awesome race for those podium positions. And then, I mean, I don't know if there's more to say there, but, I mean, I, I feel like um, you, you're, you were or have been on Norwegian television. We need to know, like, is there, are the flags at half mast? Like what is going on in Norway right now? Cause that, that was a tragedy. Yeah. You know, what's funny though. It normally would have been a tragedy if the defending Olympic champions, Norway would, were to not medal at the Olympics, but we got to take this with perspective. Heidi Wang out with COVID. Anna Shirsty, who has been solid, like skiing around the top 10, in a lot of races this year, out with COVID. Ingvald Flukstad Osberg, 
the second best or third best behind Heidi out right now as well and had to stop her season because of health reasons. So not only are you taking the B team out to the relay, you're taking kind of like the C team out to the relay. And Thierry Lunas Vang, she got a she got tangled up. A Latvian skier took her out in in the in the first leg. That being said, let's not get carried away. Of course she didn't do that on purpose. It's tight. They're all skiing together. They're cruising around a corner. She's not trying to take out anyone. It was a total race incident. So Aduka didn't maliciously take out Norway. It's too bad that it happened when it happened because like coming into the hardest working section and losing all your speed and getting all tangled up, it, it, was, it was a disaster for Norway there. But Johag skied a solid leg, not more than that. Foss's home skied a fantastic leg. And she looked like really... Like, Foss's home has been like a yo-yo this year. She's had just the raunchiest outings ever. And then some great races. She's been fourth in the World Cup this year. Let's not forget that for the young Norwegian. But but Ragnar Haga, I, I kind of felt for her. Uh, at first, when they first tagged off, I'm like, okay, if they press hard from the start, maybe they can drop Sundling. We obviously saw that, that that, that was not to be. Sundling's on fire. And, and when they were skiing together, you're just like, Sundling, who's in great shape. Parmakowski, who's back on her at her best form life's best form and then and then Ragnald Haga who has struggled hard this season Ragnald Haga was the story of the 2018 Olympics winning the 10k free but also saving Norway's ass in that relay they made it interesting decision in 2018 I don't know why they did that they started Astrid Jakobsen who had been sick the entire championship she hadn't raced any races coming into that relay skied like skied so shitty in the relay and without Ragnald Haga, there's no Olympic gold medal uh, for the Norwegians four years ago. And yet Ragnald Haga, four years older, just was not able to put together a great day. I mean, was her day bad? Quite frankly, no. I think she had like a total standard day for how she's been skiing this year. It wasn't a bad day. It's just that Ragnald Haga isn't at her Olympic champion form. She's far from it. And you can't expect people to, to, to lift themselves to, to miracle form although the germans did with three out of the four athletes so i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean i don't know it, it's i think it's interesting and you know i mean one thing about germany too is like I, I think you have to appreciate that like i don't think you know we, we i was talking with bahur who was on the podcast yesterday this morning bahur was kind of looking at the start lists and saying you know germany looks like a pretty promising team but uh, you know i think you have to say there was not a lot of pressure on Germany going into this race. It's like, you know, if you, if you were looking at the odds, I don't think Germany was, was on the list. And then, you know, you look at a, a I just think it, it's, it's really, it's a tough spot to be someone like Haga and have, you know, basically the entire country watch you be the person that kind of, you know, it's, it, it, she didn't lose the medal, but you know, it, it because of the way everything was set up, she's the one that, you know, where, where the gap forms or whatever. And I mean, it's kind of the same position with Haley Swerble, you know, like, and, and not really. Cause I mean, I think, you know, there were probably some missed opportunities or whatever you want to call it for kind of all four of the American legs. It almost felt like, but you know, it's like when you're putting someone who, who an entire teams and an entire country's hopes and dreams are resting on their shoulders and you're basically counting on them to deliver a performance that, they really can't be counted on to deliver 
and, and then like they have to manage those expectations and the team has to manage those expectations. Like it's just, I know the athletes, you know, they say they're working really hard to kind of insulate themselves and just focus on their process, but you know, that's gotta be an incredibly hard feeling. You probably know it firsthand. Oh yeah. It's the worst feeling. I mean, especially in a relay, I, I, 2013, for example, at the world championships in Val de Fiem, Alex and I were 0.07 seconds from a bronze medal in the team sprint. So I was in great shape. I had a great team sprint. A couple of days later, I do the first leg of the relay, which is usually should be totally good for me. Or second leg, I, I kind of forget. I think I was second leg, actually. I think Lenny did first leg. But you have to remember, in 2012, I was second in the overall World Cup, 10K Classic. Like, it doesn't get better for me. Yeah, my skis were shitty. They were, but the fact of the matter is I couldn't make my skis work. I had a, like a nightmare day. I think I lost like a minute 45 or something. I totally sewered our team. I totally nuked our team. And who would have thought that the guy who was second in the overall world cup the year before, and who had been on the podium countless times, I don't know, like over a dozen times by that point in my career would have a, just a nightmare outing. And those things happen. And when they happen on the relay day, oh, it's just, it's a gut punch and it's really, really hard to get over. And I was just really lucky to have really supportive, great teammates to help me through that really tough time. And I know that, that Haga has that as well on the Norwegian team. And, you know, Par Mikowski, for sure, the Finnish women are, are disappointed to miss the, the medal by that much. But they also know that, you know, Killinen's race was just okay. Matintalo's race was better than okay, but not not lights out and you know in this game with such thin margins you, you kind of have to have all all girls firing on all cylinders and but it's just you know there's a lot of talk that wang's fall when it did cost norway the medal and you know woulda coulda shoulda didn't we it's hard to speculate but what so the argument for that is that it had she not fallen Teresa could get all the way back up to Russian in Russia and Germany, most likely. And then it's a trio. And then you have a trio of women skiing together. And then Foss's home, who had a great leg, gets to have that great leg with Sorina and and uh Carl. And then maybe they have 20 seconds, right? Then they got those 20 seconds and geez, Sundling was closing like a champ, but they didn't get back to Germany. So who knows what would have happened with Ragnald in that position. If but perhaps Ragnald could have just been that little bit too weak too and and two seconds is nothing. She could have been swallowed up by, by Sweden and, and Finland at the line. But that said, we can't speculate what happens happened. People fell. It was uh, a race incident and, and the results are what they are. And the fact of the matter is Haga had a, had a, you know, an average day out there and Tyrrell had a, an accident and that, and that leaves Norway in fifth moving on to the Americans. You know, like we talked about yesterday, I was surprised they put Swerble in, but I also understand that, putting people cold into the Olympic game relay into the pressure cooker is a huge risk. So they knew exactly what they were going to get out of Swerble. They did. She's just not at her best form. She's underperforming at these Olympics and the relay, quite frankly, I, I think was like almost a little bit of a improvement over the last couple of races she did. Uh, she lost time. She lost too much time late in that race, but she looked a lot better than the other races I've seen her race at these Olympics. So she really didn't put the nail in the coffin for, for the Americans. Rosie, Rosie had a really tough, a really, really tough challenge to ski with an Abba Anderson who was skiing so, so well today. And a Terezio hug that was also just, I mean, Terezio hugs the best skier of a generation. So, so it was a really hard situation. 
what made a hard situation worse, and maybe I'll get hate mail for this, but it doesn't matter. We just have to call a spade a spade, especially for people that are listening that aren't in the ins and outs of skiing and don't understand how thin the margins are. Rosie skis weren't good enough to contend. They were not. I'm sorry. They were too slow. And when your skis are slow like that and you're competing against athletes that have great skis and just happen not only have great skis, but they're Terezio Hagedab Anderson, uh, it, it's going to be a challenge. And even we were texting back and forth. Swerble skis didn't look all that hot either. They weren't running that fast. So I think there was a bit of a missed opportunity with the equipment. And that sucks when conditions are stable and cold. But uh, stressed athletes might want more kick under their skis. Maybe they'll ask for that security layer. You know what I mean? And that security layer could be enough to, to give the athlete like lower shoulders to be like, okay, I know I can climb the hills, but that security layer could be the difference between working a little too hard on all the light terrain and, and being able to just stay in the pack. I will, I mean, I will add, like, I, I asked the question of all four American women who came through the mix zone at the end of the race, you know, were your skis draggy and they, you know, they presented a united front that the skis were good. The skis were competitive. No one, and it, you know, did not look like a sort of setup and, you know, actually talked to uh U.S. wax crew for incidentally after the race. And, you know, I don't think there was any kind of collective sense that they had failed, but I mean, it was, it did look a little bit like that today. So, you know, who knows, it's kind of hard to, hard to tell from the TV and if you're not standing on the skis. So. No, for sure. And I should say, that here's the deal too in cross-country skiing. It's kind of like Omerta. Unless your skis are just vicious and you're icing all over the track and you're getting dropped by like 60 meters on every downhill. Like Unless your race is just a big, hot pile of dung. It's kind of like this, this culture that you don't throw techs under the bus because nobody works harder. I've, I've gone on and on in this podcast over the years about how hard those technicians work but it's ridiculous. Okay. Like being a technician, <laughs> especially at a championship, like the Olympics, you know, you, you, you're a journalist and you're jumping through all these hoops just to like do your job. Imagine that part of your job was to ski 50, 60 K a day on like a 500 meter up and down hill and just eating garbage chocolate and drinking Coke. And like, it just, it's just a, it's, it's a mess. It's really, really hard. So no athlete wants to hang out their technicians, the coaches staff as well. Don't want to hang out their technicians. I'm not saying the Americans had horrendous skis and that, oi, the relay was caught. It cost them the relay because of skis. No, it cost them the relay because they had a couple athletes that just weren't firing on all cylinders today. And in a race that played out like it played out, you needed four girls at, at their best. And, and they didn't have that with the bodies. But, but the difference between having skis that are 90% good compared to skis that are 100% good, and especially when the bodies that are on those skis are Therese Johug and Abba Anderson. This makes a difference. And it makes a huge... And Henning, Jesus. Like, and Henning, Henning. Like, if you have these athletes on the skis having a great day with great equipment and you're, you're having an average day at best, maybe a little below average, and then your skis are 90% instead of 100%, it just gets exploited, man. It just gets exploited. But I know the counter-argument then that the, the techs are probably saying back in that American bus like, yeah, but Rosie was crushed at the top of those hills. You know, she's not pushing over the top like uh, like Ebba is or like Teresa is to take her speed into the downhills. That's also true. So you got to take all this in into the lexicon. But what I can say is her skis weren't helping her get back into the group, Rosie, especially. So, yeah, no. but, but but it yeah, wasn't but about the skis. I do agree. Like 
with with uh, with German skis, which were great today, and Russian skis, which are great. Norway skis were great. Like everyone's skis were good. But like with the best skis in the field, that they don't erase a minute ten. They're not coming from a minute twenty eight back to twenty seconds back to play for the medals. The, the U.S. just weren't in it today. It's super sad. Did you, I have not looked at the competition analysis. Have you, I mean, it looked like Novi McCabe actually skied a, a pretty solid leg, but I, I don't want to make that judgment without the benefit of actually looking at times. Yeah, she, she did ski. A, she did ski a solid. She did ski a solid leg. I, I think Novi McCabe's having just such a fantastic championship and she's taking so much confidence out of, um, out of her tour to ski performance. That said, if uh, I'll just read it out for the fans at home that don't want to look this up themselves. Swerbel had the seventh fastest time on her leg. She lost 24.7 seconds. Rosie, even though it looked tough, she had the sixth fastest leg. She was plus 16 seconds on her leg, which was Yohug that won that one. Novi McCabe, she was sixth in her leg as well. She was 29 seconds adrift and the best and the best athlete in that one to, to the best athlete in that one, which was Foster's home actually in time and Diggins even, you know, Diggins was 44 seconds slower than the fastest leg touch was in Ling. And she also had the sixth fastest leg. So if you're having four athletes all have the seventh, sixth, sixth, sixth fastest legs, guess what? You're sixth in the relay. That's just how it goes. That said, I hated this when coaches or people back home, like armchair critics back home would just start analyzing the, uh, the split times in the relay in a mass start in a playing, playing the so, so, you know what I mean? Like Novi McCabe's hanging out there kind of solo while, while uh, you have Sorina and, uh, you know, you, you have Sorina and Carl battling together. Then you have um, uh, Niskanen and Foster's home in a, in a, with Frida in a strong group. So like, let's not read into like the time back results too much. Like you don't look at that and go with Diggins like, Ooh, she was 44 seconds down in her leg time. She was six. What does that mean for the 30 K? It means nothing. Diggins was blown off the back skiing alone. Whereas the girls that had the fastest time, Sunling had a lot to ski for, mainly an Olympic medal, which she delivered on. So we can't read in too much. But I thought Novi skied tough. I thought she skied really great. It was the right call to put her in the relay. I thought you could have put her in, in classic or skate. And uh, I just feel bad for the U.S. that they have to go back to the drawing board again. You know, last year they should have medaled. But, but uh, Jesse Diggins made tactical error in the race and was too tired. And they ended up fourth. And well... So and this, is, this time they just weren't good enough. They just weren't good it, enough. What can you say? You, you have to wonder a little bit. I mean, someone made this comment earlier today. I think, uh, you know, what, what was offered to Sadie Bjornsson last spring to, to keep ski racing for one more year. And I mean, I don't know, you know, you, you put her in that race instead of one of the other per people, you know, it's like, it's still just, you know, there's a little bit of that magic of like, everyone just has to have a good day. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, I, I think it seemed like there was a, you know, certainly the team, it seemed like they were managing their expectations. And I think, you know, they knew they had a shot at a medal today, but I don't think necessarily it was hyped up as like, you know, something they needed to deliver because I think they realized, and, you know, you were, you were talking to some of the experts in the, in the, at the venue in the, in the media center today. And I, you know, I think people were pretty clear that this was based on the way people were skiing. It was a long shot. So I think, I mean, it is disappointing knowing that the U S has the potential to be on the podium in this event, but I think also just sort of understanding the circumstances, it kind of felt like they performed today about where we expected them to perform and, you know, hopefully, 
in four years or in one year at the next world championships, you know, we see people in better shape or, you know, maybe Germany messes up their skis and that's an open place on the podium. Who knows? Yeah, I know for sure. I think that that is a, that's a, that's a really great point. They, the only thing is it's, and it's allowed to get excited. These are professional athletes, right? Like all these people are professional. They're not juniors. So Swerble, who grows up in the Roaring Fork Valley, like it's at altitude, it's in Beijing. Every time there's been races at altitude in her career at the international level, the World Cup, Swerble's really delivered, even this year. And it was allowed, it's allowed as an American ski fan to get super psyched about this because you would have expected Swerble to be at the Olympics at her best. You know what I mean? And, but man, I, I've been there, I've been at the Olympics at my best shape of the season. And I've been at the Olympics in like, such bad shape honestly i should lose my spot on the canadian team like just like i was been sick trying to race with a cold like i'm an idiot like just doing the stupidest shit so it's not just like well show up and deliver you know like you said Haley swirbel doesn't have like seven world championships and two olympics behind her to to lean back on that experience so i thought they all skied they all hung in tough the future's super bright you know, Diggins isn't going anywhere. Diggins is having a great Olympics. She's in super good shape. The 30 K is coming up. It's exciting. Rosie fourth in the sprint today. Like, yeah, it looked like she lost a bit of time, but like, I just gave you the stats. She raced the whole thing with, uh, with Norway and she was 16 seconds behind Therese Johag, who's the best female skier in the world, hands down. So you can't say that that's a nightmare outing. So even Haley losing 24 seconds, like it was too much today. It was too much today, but that one, it was a lot better than her 10K classic. She had a super solid day. It just, the relay is a finicky beast. And I, I hope that the Americans can, can get it right. And I'm cheering. I think they can do it. I think they can do it at the next Olympics. And I think we'll get a medal uh, for the U.S. in the women's relay before uh, before those championships even happen. I think plenty to next year is, a, yeah, it could happen as early as then. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, anything else from today's race that, that you want to break down? I mean, I actually think that we, we got to talk a little bit about the relay selections for Nor for, for the men's relay selection for Norway. Cause, uh, they, they, they made a change that's probably worth mentioning. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Canadian result worth mentioning. Uh, here. You know, the Canadians, I thought, I thought they, again, like a little bit like the U S they, they kind of skied to their potential really here. Uh, there was no magic and, 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 you know, the Germans had a magic day and Catherine Stewart Jones, just like, she was the scramble egg. Like it was, okay. you know, we lose 43 skins in the scramble egg, not awesome, but not, not a disaster either. And uh, same with Daria, you know, Daria just skied like an okay day. She had her career best distance race only a few days ago in the 10 K classic. So it was allowed to dream, but uh, you know, in the relays too, so much depends on who you're skiing with, you know? And uh I think uh, with with the Canadian Sandrine that we know is in great shape at these championships. She's hit her form really well. Twentieth place in the skiathlon. She's got her best events coming up in the thirty k skate. So, uh, but again, like you, if you want to look into it, it's like oh, she only had the ninth fastest time. It's like don't look at that. She's out there dangling by herself or in a group that's not as strong as as what it could have been. So, the Canadians were what they were, and and it, it that's just how it is. They're not better than this. Like our Canadian women four we don't have four canadian women that are better than than eighth or, or ninth in the in the relay they finished ninth today by the way but yeah the the the, the norwegian team for tomorrow well what can, I think, okay, can i can okay, i can I actually there, the, one other thing about this result and people i'm gonna get more hate mail from people and it's fine i mean i don't know like honest i mean i thought about it for a second but I, it just you know we just had a positive doping test by a russian figure skater and just you know that we've got again 
not the Russian team, the team of the Russian Olympic Committee uh, celebrating really elaborately in the stadium today. I mean, personally, you know, like we didn't see them just absolutely demolish everyone. It was a close race. I don't feel like this adds to it, but I, I, you know, I got some emails about it of people being like, they need to be tested for xenon gas, et cetera, et cetera. And, and like, you know, I think it's still going to be on people's minds as long as this stuff is going on. And I, I like, I hate to mention it because it was an awesome race and it was awesome performances. And those Russian women are fun to watch. Um, but I, I feel like it's just, it's, it's still there and you can chastise me if you want to. And so can listeners, but other than that, I'm ready to move on. Sorry. Yeah, I'll chastise you a little bit just with the Russian women. Then we can move on. And the reason why I'm going to is like no performance by any one of those individual women on the Russian team was like, what the hell's going on here? Like they skied to their potential and they skied great. They're from all different training groups. That's the other crazy thing. Stupak trains with Kramer. Nepreyeva trains with Burdavko. Uh, Stepanova trains. I don't even know where she trains because she's a first year senior. So I actually don't know what training group she's a part of. And Sorina trains with her husband, Igor Sorin, who, who's the, who has his own training group. So if there was ever a team you could really get behind is this one, because it's not all four from one training group that you start looking as like, well, that's a bit weird. Like all these girls delivered great performances. And how can we say that about the Russians and then see what happened with Germany? I mean, like Germany just delivered like an insanely good race. I'm going to live in my little bubble of naivety. This was a great race. Teams were skiing. Awesome. Uh, Russia, congratulations. It means a lot more to see the Russian women deliver a race like this with the history they've had lately compared to let's say when they were winning in the nineties. And then in 2002, couldn't even start the relay because they all got busted for doping in the 2002 Olympics. So I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to Russia so hugely. I thought the Russian women skied beautifully and, and deserve, deserve to celebrate together. And you saw how much it meant to them. It was um, so that, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Okay. So, so yeah, Norway subbing in Emil Everson uh, for Eric Valnes in this, in this relay tomorrow. What, what do you make of that? Well, here, I'm going to have two things to make of that, which is actually pretty funny. Like the first one I want to mention is 12 days ago. I'm like, duh, Norway wins the relay, no matter what. I don't care how, like Shavatkin was good in Ruka and then he's been gone. The Akamushkin, Yeah. He's solid. Like, spits off we hadn't seen him at his absolute best he was great at the the closing part of the tour de ski and we know how good he could be but i was like norway's got this wrapped up then all of a sudden they lose their best card at altitude kruger's out with covid then you're like ooh, let's see and then people just start underperforming all over the place and then you're like oh god and then you're in this place where like had had it played out it like it did in my head movies, I'd be like, of course you put Volness in the relay. He's been better than Everson all year in 15 classics. He's a great sprinter. So he knows how to do a scramble leg. He knows how to ski in a pack. Like this is a no brainer. Then, then Volness shows up and delivers a 15th place two twelve back in the, in the, uh, in the 15 K a couple days ago. What do you do if you're Norway? Like now all of a sudden you're like, okay, we can count on Claybo to deliver a great 10K skate tactically and have a good sprint. Because he's in fourth in back-to-back races, he's in great shape. And 10K skate at altitude, like, it's got Holland's name written all over it. Paul Goldberg, like, if you want to know what the story for me is, is, like, one, 
think it's sketchy to put a guy that hasn't raced the Olympics in into the relay. I, I do. And Emily Everson saying he's in good shape, but the last time I heard Emily Everson say he was in good shape and he turned it around was the night a couple of days before the tour to ski came to the tour to ski. He couldn't ski himself out of wet paper bag. He sucked. So can we trust that Emily Everson really is in good shape? No, we can't. But that said, is Emily Everson better than a Volnes? Man, it doesn't take much for a Norwegian skier to be better than 212 back in a 15K. You know what I mean? So they're taking a risk, but I think it's a risk that's probably worth taking, uh, actually. That said, this is all hinging on Paul, dude. But you want to know where the pressure is? Like, everyone's talking about Emma Leverson, Emma Leverson, Emma Leverson. Like, can you handle the pressure? Is he in good shape? The scramble egg, nothing really happens. Who's going to do the scramble egg for Russia? Most likely it's Shavatkin. You know what I mean? Shavatkin is, he was fifth in the, in the 15K, which was a great, great result. But like, Shavatkin's not Bolshinov or Niskanen that's going to just rip that field apart and take off and, and drop everybody and come into the exchange 30 seconds clear. He's not going to. So Everson, actually, it's a great race back for, for an uncertain Everson to give him some confidence. If he doesn't come in with the lead pack, that's a, that's a disaster. And I, I think he should be able to with the guys that he's going to be skiing with. Paul Goldberg, though. Paul had 12 great K and three of like the worst kilometers any athlete could hope to have at a championship where he just completely came unglued ended up finishing 152 back, like they just crushed in the 15K. Now, a couple days later, okay, Paul, you're going to come in either with the lead group if Emily Everson has like a normal day, or you're going to come in 10 to 20 to 30 seconds back off of Shavotkin if Emily Everson continues to race like he's raced all season. And now it's going to be <laughs> Bolshinov Niskanen on leg two, just beast moding together. Because Hakala or whoever they they're in, they were going to start with, I would imagine they'd start with Hakala for Finland, who's a solid 10k classic skier. And yeah, so so you're you're going to have this you're going to have this situation that's like everyone's talking about Paul uh, about Emily Versen. I want to talk about Paul Goldberg. Like, how is he going to handle this pressure? This is like that's the Norwegian chance. That's the Norwegian chance right there. Paul Goldberg can't lose more than 20 seconds in his leg to Niskanen and, and Bolshunov. And if I was a Norwegian relay fan, I'd be freaking out. I, I mean, I, it set, it just sets up for like, I feel like it's great drama, like both for Everson and for Goldberg. Um, and, you know, I mean, then you've got like the Spitzov skiing really well up against Holland. And then, you know, I mean, you don't want to be Ustigov having to race Clybo if, if it comes down to that, but yeah. And then, you know, at, like, I, I just feel like these championship relays too, you know, it's like, I, I, like who knows who's going to end up third place in this race. And I just, you know, I feel like that that's wide open and, and I, you know, you, could it be France? Like I, you know, past Olympics, it's been like Czech Republic coming out of nowhere. And I, I just love that it, it can be like that where, you know, you could have drama, you can have surprise, whatever. I, I feel like at these championships, like you're totally right. Like somehow the drama is just, you're mainlining it in a, in a, in a championship relay compared to, you know, just taking Tylenol for, for, a, um, for a normal world cup. So I, I I'm super stoked about that. And then, you know, you, you were skipping ahead to the 30 K like I'm stoked about the, the team sprint, you know, you put, Diggins and Yoha, uh, sorry, <laughs> Diggins and Brennan in that race. Like that's going to be, that's going to be super fun to watch too. So I don't know. I just like, I'm really excited about the rest of the, 
racing here. I mean, I felt like yesterday was like, you know, it was, it was, that's a race, you know, just sort of as a spectator, you could write it off a little bit, but like today I just, I, I, I was in the spot, like after being really frustrated at how hard it is to follow these races, like from the press center, not getting access to the trail, like there was this perch up in the mix zone. Like you could basically, there's so few trees here and everything's above you and it's wide open. And you can, you could basically like with the naked eye be making out 75% of that entire two and a half K loop. And it, and then you've got the TV up beyond that. And it just like, it's so awesome here. And, and it's, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just kind of, I know everyone would love to be here and I'm being kind of obnoxious, but like, I mean, I hope people are getting to watch this on TV and, and feel some of this drama because it, it really, even without a crowd, like it's here, there's energy here there, you know, we've got five more days of racing to go. And it's, it's, it's just, it's awesome. It's the Olympics. Um, I, I should stop, you know, ranting. No, I love it. I love that you're stoked. And this is going to be super exciting. This, sorry, I'll repeat myself. I said, it's going to be super exciting with the team sprint uh, coming up and especially coming back to the Norwegians. This is going to be crazy fun. Like it, it's a, it, this is essentially a trials race to see who gets to go with Claybo in the team sprint. If Everson delivers and he's the one that drops the field by 20 seconds, guess what, baby? He's going to have two gold medals around his neck and he'll be with Claybo out of nowhere. Everyone will be like, he didn't even get to race. Now he's doing the team sprint. Like, but Paul, same thing. If Paul completely comes undone and loses like a minute to Bolshinov Niskanen while they just beast on leg two, do you think Paul's going to get the nod for the team sprint? I wouldn't put him in there. So like there's uh, there's some great stories for, for the races to come. No question. And, and the relay, one last thing about the relays, because like, it's not enough in skiing, like to have one individual athlete kick butt, like who cares? That doesn't say anything about your, the strength of your program. It doesn't. If you deliver a result on the relay, that's the only real way throughout a season that you, and the nation's cup at the end of the year, I guess in the world cup, but like, it's a real flex. It's like Germany can really say, Hey, you thought we were sleeper picks coming within like from fifth to 15th at our best in all these races. But if everybody skis their best day, fifth to 15th shows that we are one of the best female distance teams on planet earth. And, and I think that they can take a lot of confidence with them further in, in further, further field. It's going to make a better team atmosphere. They're going to have better training. They're going to believe in each other. This stuff matters. And these are the mistakes that we've made in the past. The U S men have made in the past big time not creating a team environment, having like this team of individuals, you go back in Canada's history, like still you ask any athlete like my age or a little younger, like what was the, what are the races that like meant the most to you in Canadian skiing? It's like Becky Scott winning the, the, the gold medal in, in 2002 in the pursuit in the skiathlon at the Olympics. But Becky Scott lived in Bend for eight years wasn't a member, like she was a member of the cross country, like Canadian team, but she was like kind of doing her own thing down there. You know what I mean? And like when Becky left, where was our distance women? You know what I mean? It, 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 we didn't create like this crazy energy, even though individually we had great results out of Becky Scott. And uh, this is the kind of stuff that I think is important to say in the relays is like, this can really be a launching pad for your team to believe in itself and, and, and come together as a team instead of having a bunch of individuals like trying to do their own thing. This is the kind of stuff that like, you know, helps you build that program from the ground up too. So yeah, I mean, just really what, what a day, what a privilege to, to be able to watch that and be here. Um, I don't know anything else we need to cover here. No, let's just get stoked for tomorrow. I mean, the men's relay, it's like a battle Royale, baby. 
like Chervotkin, Bolshinov, Spitsov, Ustigov. Oh my God. Like that's a Russian powerhouse. And Norway, Norway is missing Kruger so bad at these championships. And tomorrow, is that going to be the piece that's missing? Or is Emma Leverson going to come in and be, be uh, the Norwegian savior? Like it, it's happened before. I mean, Allsgard in 2003 came into the world championships, having not come top 30 in the world cup, won the 30 K classic came to the relay and he was the hero of the relay. So it's, it's happened before that said the last two times Norway has put in a man who had not raced in the Olympics prior into the relay. Didrik Tonseth last at the last Olympics had a horrendous day and without Kruger, they don't medal. 2010. Adbjorn Yelmeset, first race of the Olympics, relay. He, he he iced. The conditions were brutal, but he lost. He cost them the gold medal, and it was really like Petter that saved them up to get even a silver. So it's risky business putting a fresh guy in the Olympics, but with Norway and how it's playing out here at the Games, I feel like it's 50-50. You go with Valnes, you go with Everson, it's it's kind of the same. So so I'm, I'm ready to go because I need to eat some dinner, but I, I've got to – I've got to relate this anecdote, um, which I'm sure you've heard, but 2010, uh, Odd that totally blows it for the Norwegian team. And, you know, if you don't know Odd that, you know, this guy, he is like sort of, he's probably like has dip in his lip during the race, like totally like old school, crusty Norwegian guy, kind of at the tail end of his career, but, you know, also kind of supposed to be the wily veteran and, and, and totally blows it during the race. And, and I am there, I'm 22 years old with a credential kind of no idea what I'm doing, who I'm dealing with. Um, but you know, we see Norway just completely blow this race. will help Helm set blow this race. And so we go to the press conference, you know, he's, he's done this whole rigmarole having to explain himself to the Norwegian media. I go to the press conference, you know, he's sitting there next to Petter next to all these other dudes that are on the team. And I raise my hand. I'm like, you know, can you just explain in English? Like, was it your skis? Was it your body? Like what went wrong? And Helmset goes, Nope, actually, uh, was, uh, I think it was, maybe it was Petter in the room next to me. He's watching, he's, uh, he's watching porn all night long and, uh, just kept me awake. And, and that was, uh, that was the problem. So I, you know, I blew the relay leg and I'm like, okay, well, that's going to make news everywhere, but it's still not an answer to my question. And what the, what do I even do here? So, um, you know, who knows what we could see tomorrow? No, exactly. That's such a classic. Like, uh, yeah, I said, if you want to see some funny answers, like he won the 50K in 2007, he's a real jokester. Like he won the 50K in Sapporo in 2007. And there's a clip where the, the Japanese media is like asking the question in Japanese, to Helmaset that just won. And then Helmaset answered like, and like everyone starts laughing. So he's just a joker. In that same press conference, not only was that a classic response from Helmaset that you just talked about, but when he sat down, I don't know if you remember this, the first thing he said when the microphone came to Odbjorn Helmaset is he said, my name is Odbjorn Helmaset and I fucked up. And like everybody, it's kind of like, it, it kind of like super somber day for Norwegian skiing, Petter Nortug, the big star, they don't win the relay. And it's almost like he disarmed that whole 30, 40 Norwegian press corps just by coming right out and saying it, like telling it like it is. And uh, I said is one of a kind, no question. What a, what an absolute legend. Totally. Cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll be back. We'll be back tomorrow. And hopefully I don't die from whatever I inhaled from this robot. And uh, thanks, Devin. So it's always a good time.
Thanks. Cheers, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.